Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. Good morning, everybody. So glad you're here with us today. Go ahead and stand and we'll continue to worship together. And we would be remiss if we didn't recognize that tomorrow is Veterans Day. We're so, so thankful for our veterans. If you are a veteran, we appreciate your service and your sacrifice. I want you to know that we love you. We love you this morning. Let's sing together. What do you say? Everyone needs compassion. A love that's never failed. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior, the hope of nations. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is
My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Amen. Let's have a seat for a minute. just want to welcome you all here and this is my favorite time of the year I love Thanksgiving but another thing that makes it my favorite time is next week is National Shoebox Collection Week all over the country and I just want to take a time to invite you we are gonna have a packing party next Sunday night at 530 so you need to bring Christmas cookies and if you've never been to our packing party what happens is we have 300 of these boxes and they're empty. And I need your help to fill them Sunday night. I just have to take time, just a minute. I, I did the same thing in the first service. And one thing we're lacking, we have the supplies to put in the box, but we're lacking some of the shipping costs. And before this morning, we were lacking 160 boxes that still need to be paid for shipping. And praise God. We, I got $310 after the first service, and I just think, you know, praise God that he has a plan for our church with these boxes. And so I just ask you to continue to pray this week. You got a card when you came in today. It looks like this. If you didn't, I'll have some on the um, table, the Operation Christmas Child table when you leave. And on the back of this card, it tells you how you can pray. Franklin Graham is the organ organizer of this organization. And he said, the greatest thing you can do for a shoebox is not just what you put in it, but the prayer that goes behind it. So this week, as we prepare for our packing party, one, I ask you to take this card and pray. Pray every day for how God wants to use you. Whether it's use your time and you come next week and pack, or maybe he wants to use you to give a sacrificial gift so we can ship more boxes. Or maybe God, he just wants you to pray this week for the child that's going to receive a box. I also ask this week that you write a letter and maybe find a picture of your family that you can bring with you next Sunday night to put inside the box. There was um, a story that I heard this past week about an orphan who lived in an orphanage. And when they got their box, they took out the picture and the letter and they would hide it under their bed under their mattress because they didn't want anybody taking it because they knew they felt like somebody loved them when they looked at that picture and they read that letter your words will matter so i just ask you to pray this week and also think about how you can give because god wants to use each of us here to make a difference in the life of another child would you all pray with me this morning dear god we just thank you for this sunday that it is orphan sunday and god i just pray for those who are orphans around the world. And God, we know they are dear to your heart. And I just ask you right now to use us this next week, God, as we pack boxes and send these boxes, God, there's a child somewhere praying for what they need. And you're gonna use the Operation Christmas Child box to meet that need, God, and we trust you that you're gonna use us. God, I ask your Holy Spirit just to move in this service, God, and move in this church and use us in a mighty way to spread your gospel. In your name I pray, amen. Stand together and we'll keep singing. Old things have passed away. Your love has 
shared something in the first service today that I think is a great reminder for all of us. The word religion, we sometimes attach to some negative stuff. If somebody's quote-unquote religious, a lot of times we think that means they're legalistic or they're following some checklist or performance-based approach to the Lord. But if you look at the word religion, it comes from the same Latin root as the word ligament, which is the connective tissue right in your body. So the root word there means connection, connect. So the word religion literally means reconnect or reconnection. So this morning I would challenge us. Lord, help us remember that a lot of the reason that we're here is for connection. To acknowledge that we're already so intimately connected with the Lord through the Holy Spirit. And to build connections with one another. So many times, the songs we sing, they're for us, but maybe they're also for the person next to you that you're singing over. Or maybe it's for the person that couldn't make it today that we're singing over. So sing out loud today over your own lives, over your own situations, but also as a ministry to the folks that are around you. Lift each other up. We connect with each other and acknowledge our connection to the Father. Lord, we're here for you this morning. We trust you at this time. Continue to speak to us. Continue to move. Do what you do, Lord.
make your way to the front. We prepare for this time in their service. There's a song we just sang. Nothing hidden from you, Lord. You know our hearts, you know our desires. Father, we trust you this morning wholeheartedly. We thank you. As Laura just shared with us, you were already doing some amazing things even this morning. And we know, we know that you're going to meet that need. We know you are. My, my. We may never know the fruits of those shoeboxes. But Father, I know that you can take little and you can make it great. You can make it much. And Father, this you do every week here in this place. Just take what we give and just make it great. And we know that you're going to do that as well. We trust you. Wow. What a blessing. It is just to be a small part of that. It really, really is. Don't ever take it lightly. I don't care if you've just got pennies to give or hundreds to give. It's no different in God's eyes. Wow. Father, thank you. We're just going to honor you and glorify you. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Oh, he's just always so worthy of our affection and our love. I know you hear me say this so many times, but, you, you know, just regardless of, you know, what kind of day you've had so far and regardless of what kind of week you've had, uh, regardless of what's coming up in your life that you think even is going to happen this week, you know, none of those situational or circumstantial things uh, change or have an impact upon his worthiness, his holiness, his goodness, his righteousness, his grace. He is always so deserving of our worship and he's deserving of our praise, uh, whether we feel like it or not. He just is. And so I just want to give you an encouragement, but I also want to give you a challenge today, okay? Uh, Typically, between the first service and the second service, uh, you know, we have 10 to 15 minutes where we kind of transition and, and get things ready uh, for the second service out of the first service. And, and folks start coming in. I, I want to give you a challenge today, okay? I want to encourage you, uh, if you would, to come in on your own between services and start praying. 
just come in, find a spot in the auditorium. Usually music's playing while you come in. Come to one of the prayer benches in the front. Uh, come to some of the seats, sit down, and, and start praying for what God wants to do during this time. And I also want to encourage you to do this. I want to encourage you to raise and to lift your sense of expectation of what's going to happen in this time. That you come in and, and you start praying and you pray for the people who are coming here, you pray for yourself, and then start increasing and raising your expectation of meeting with God. Uh, we're going to learn today in a biblical text that God actually rewards those who diligently seek Him. So come in early, start praying, and start building the sense of, uh, of expectation in your own heart. And, and then do this for us, okay? As you begin to anticipate what He's going to do. Allow the Holy Spirit to raise your level of energy and excitement and enthusiasm about what's going to take place in this service, okay? The word enthusiasm actually comes from two words that, that, that can be broken down to, to mean in theos. In theos. Theos is Greek for God. Enthusiasm literally means to, to be in God. So, so do that for us week in, week out. Our guys are backstage praying. We're praying for the service. And we just want to encourage you to start praying for this time. And as we build our uh, enthusiasm and our expectation and energy for what God, God's going to do, we want you to do the same so that what's happening here and what's happening here, they meet. And it's not like us up here uh, doing what we do for you or you watching us, but really we come together. As Cody has already said, we connect with great energy and excitement for worship and what God's going to do during this time. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome, our time together. So today we're going to continue in a new message series that we're simply entitling, What Does Faith Look Like? What does faith look like? This comes from Hebrews chapter 11. I could ask you the simple question, do you have faith? Are you a person of faith? Do you have faith? And most people will say to, to some extent, yes, yeah, I, I, am, I, am, I am a person of faith. And I can say, well, what does that mean? What does it mean for you to be a person of faith? What does it mean for you to have faith? What if I said, okay, show me your faith. A lot of times when people think about faith, they think about a belief in their heart. A deep abiding trust. Or, or what about this? A strong conviction about something. Faith. And when it comes to showing faith, it'd be like, 
it's kind of hard for me to show you my heart. I mean, can you, can you reach down inside your chest and take your faith and pull it out and go, here you go, there you have it. I, I told you I have faith, now you can see it for yourself. A lot of times we don't think of it like that. We think it as something deep inside of us that is felt. But when it comes to faith being something real or tangible, it's not like you saying, hey, Brother Allen, do you have five bucks? And I said, yes, I do. I, I do have five bucks. Yeah, yeah, I've got five bucks. Actually, that's a ten, but uh, yeah. You have ten bucks? We'll change it. You have ten bucks? Yeah, I have ten bucks. And I could take out the ten-dollar bill and, and like, right here, see my wallet? I've got it. Right here it is. There you have it. I told you I've got 10 bucks, and, and there's the proof and the evidence for it. You can touch it, feel it. I can, I can even hear it. it. Smells like my wallet. I can show you my $10, my $10 bill. But can I show you my faith? Actually, from a biblical perspective, faith does look like something. It is something you can actually see. It is real and it is tangible. When you turn to Hebrews chapter 11, this is one of the greatest statements in all of Scripture about faith. It, it, it somewhat defines faith. And then you have this list of people, ordinary people, men and women, God does great things through. Ordinary people, God does extraordinary things through. And what is said about every single one of these people, they had This is written to a group of people who are experiencing a great deal of persecution. Hebrew people of a Jewish heritage. They're being persecuted by their fellow countrymen to go back to the law, the sacrificial system, to actually return to Jerusalem. And the writer is writing them to let them know, hey, listen. You want to go back to an inferior system. I'm telling you, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. He offers a better covenant. He's a better priesthood. He provides a better sacrifice. If you're trying to retreat to anything, you're not going to find anything better than what Jesus brings to you. So he's writing to them in the midst of their persecution from fellow countrymen. To persevere in faith. To keep going. To keep believing. To keep trusting. Even when things are difficult. And when things are very hard around them. So in chapter 11 beginning in verse 1. He encourages them to let them know what faith is. And then we see. What faith looks like. 
Are you a person of faith? Do you really have faith? He says in verse 1, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I believe it's the New King James, perhaps your Bible translation that reads something like this. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the men of old gained approval. So he's going to appeal to their heritage and to their history to let them know, hey, as I encourage you to persevere and press on in faith, there's a, herit a heritage and a history behind you of people who did the very thing I'm encouraging you to do. So all of these people would be people they would know at the back of their hand based on their family heritage and, and their history. People that they looked up to, but yet still very common, ordinary people. God just happened to do some extraordinary things through. But one of the things about every single one of these examples is that these were people of faith. Verse 2, for by the men of old gained approval. He says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were were prepared or framed by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. First example is Abel. He says, by faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. Through which he obtained the testimony. A testimony is a, a word that is spoken say, about you or what speaks from your life. This is what speaks from the life of Abel. Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts and through faith, though he is dead. Love this statement. Love this statement. Love this statement about Abel. That his faith in God, speaks beyond his life. That's his testimony. Though he is dead, he still speaks. And what speaks about his life is his faith. By faith, Enoch, and we don't know a whole lot about Enoch. Scripture simply tells us that Enoch walked with God. Very simple statement about his life. His life was summarized in that he walked with God. Enoch walked with God. By faith, Enoch was taken up. He had a, a supernatural deliverance out of this life so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witnesses that were testimony or witness again that their faith continues to speak. For he obtained the witness that before him being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And then you ask the question, okay, how can I live a life that is pleasing to the Lord? What is it that pleases God? Well, guess what it is? It's the word that We've already said numerous times, even in fact, this morning I went through verses 1 through 6 for the key words in this teaching today, and I highlighted 
every time this word is spoken. Numerous times throughout this text, almost every single verse, this word is spoken. This is what pleases the Lord. What is the word? By what? Person did this by what? Uh, by what we understand? By what Abel? By what Enoch? By what? What is it? Reminds me of an old 80s song that says you got to have. So like verses 1 through 6. It's like faith, 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 faith. Are you getting the picture? Faith, faith, faith. You got to have what? Good Lord. Like verses 1 through 6. It's like mentioned many, many times. It's like you got to have this. And it's faith, 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 faith. Reminds me of an old 80 song that says you got to have. Thank you. The only reason you did that is so I'd shut up and go on to the next part. I know that's the only reason that you did that. That had nothing to do with audience participation, support or encouragement of the preacher. You just were tired of hearing him, right? That's what happens, right? You got to have. Hey. <laughs> All right. There you go. You got to have faith. Why? Verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. He blesses. He, he honors those who seek him in faith. And a lot of people think, well, what does he reward us with? What is the reward? A lot, some people today teach, you know, that, that if you have faith, then material blessings will come into your life. If you have faith, then you will be able to achieve wealth and success in this world. If you have faith, then you can find miraculous healing from disease or sickness in your life. If you have faith, then whatever you name, you can claim. It's yours. If you just have faith. Prosperity, wealth, success, materialistic blessings. If you have faith, these things will come to you. So, so it stands to reason. So if you're poor and your loved one dies of a sickness and you don't seem to be able to find success in this life and you don't have materialistic wealth, then you didn't have enough what? Come on now. Come on now. Then you didn't have enough faith. And you can step back from that and go, wow, what's wrong with me? Don't believe that's what he's talking about. He doesn't say in the text, 
And I think another translation reads something like this. Without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Text doesn't say, if you diligently seek wealth, if you diligently seek health, if you diligently seek material blessing, even in the name of God, then those are the things that come to you. No. It's those who seek God. And the reward to those who seek God is a revelation of that which they seek. In this sense, who they seek. That God rewards those who seek Him with Himself. So if you in faith pursue the heart of God, He won't disappoint and he won't let you down. And I'm telling you, we're hard pressed to find a lot of people who are doing that today. To find people who are just passionate about knowing the heart of God. Who are just passionate to know Jesus. I can find people throughout churches today, who are very passionate about all kinds of things in life. Passionate about their career. Passionate about their music. Passionate about their family. Passionate about their art, about their work. You can find lots of people who are passionate about lots of things. But we're hard-pressed, even in the church today, to find people who have a white-hot passion to know the heart of God and to pursue Jesus. But for those who do, he says, God is a rewarder. He rewards Those who seek Him. And then from there, the list goes on. People after people after people who walked by faith. And their faith was so clear and evident that it impacted their lives. And they did certain things And those things, as evidence of their faith, are things that you can touch. And things that you can see. And things that you can hear. Things that are real. You can see faith. Today is Orphan Sunday. And in this particular context, you don't find in these particular examples... Individuals who by faith maybe adopted a child or decided to foster. But those who adopt and those who foster, and we have several families in the life of our church who have done that and who are doing that. They will tell you, fostering and adopting is a step of faith. 
Today I want to introduce you to one of these families in our church. As they come up, they've been in our ministry for many years. I actually had the privilege of doing Jay and Trista's wedding um, three or four years ago. Something like that. I don't know. Uh, are you serious? 18 years? Golly. Wow. Just had the privilege of, of watching them together as a family. Uh, they have their oldest son, Dylan. Their daughter is Olivia. And their youngest son is Ben. And, and I promise you, if you've, if you've been at First Missionary very long, especially like on Wednesday night or when we have fellowships or gatherings, if you have not seen or heard or experienced Ben, then you are living in a perpetual coma. I mean, I'm, you're, let's call the medics in for you because you're not, you're not there if you're there and you haven't seen, heard, or experienced Ben. Is that not right? Ben is a very lively Feisty. I mean, the adjectives you're going, right, Jay? The Haitian hurricane. The Haitian <laughs> hurricane. No doubt about it. But but Ben is a... Man, this is a neat story. I got to hear things this morning. I didn't know. But Ben is a... I'm going to say it and reserve the right to be wrong. He's a product of faith. And I don't want to use the term product to dehumanize, but he is, his life, in the way that you told the story this morning, it's almost like his life is the fruit of faith. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So you guys, um, God put it in your heart several years ago to adopt. Um. We have some families who are fostering. We have some families who are fostering to adopt and are in that process. How did that begin? What, what was it like to start feeling and sensing that urge? And will it, let, yeah, okay. Um, well, from as far back as I can remember, I've always thought about adoption and saw myself adopting maybe when I got older. It's something that I just don't ever remember not wanting to do. Um, and then several years back, around 2000, maybe 11, 2012, um, God just made it really heavy on my heart. And um, it was just something that I thought about all the time, prayed about a lot. Um, and it just it felt like a heaviness on me. And I felt like God was saying that it was time um, to really just, you know, continue to seek him more and pray on this more. Um, talk to Jay about it. He was... Not exactly where I was. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, Jay said, Trista, I've been waiting on this for like yeah. years. Finally, you're coming around, right? Yeah, no, not so much. <laughs> yeah, not he, at all. He, he was not really um, having those same feelings as me. Um, so I just, I said, well, have you prayed about it? And he said, no. And so. A little. Um, a little. Maybe a, a little. Maybe a little. That God would change your mind. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I guess. <laughs> Well, we, we did agree with each other that God would not call me to adopt and not him. We knew that, that we would, you know, he would be calling us together. 
And so uh, we just decided to not talk to anybody else about it and to just kind of go off, not to even talk to each other about it, but just go off ourselves and pray, spend some time in prayer. Um, you know, we thought, well, maybe, maybe God is calling us to, you know, do something with adoption or foster care that is not actually bringing a child into our home. Um, so we just kind of went our separate ways and spent a lot of time in prayer and just seeking the Lord. And God uh, just put it on Jay's heart that that's, that's what he was calling our family to do. So, uh, How long do you think you were thinking and praying and that before Jay is like, yeah? It was several months. Yeah. I, um, if it started June 2012-ish where, where you were like, yes, we got to do this, and you were putting it on me, it, it was probably September or later that we finally uh, said, or I finally said yes. Um, but yeah, um, it it was it was a process, and it was it was a matter of really getting real with God about it. You know, I was running from God uh, because of a lot of fears, anxieties, uh, things like that. Um, it was I didn't want to really get real with God, and and she, in her wisdom, God gave her wisdom to sort of leave leave. Leave me alone about it. Quit, quit talking to me so much about it, and and let me have some space to really get uh, get some time with God and really talk to Him about it. You know, it's been said that that fear is the antithesis of faith. So, what were some of your fears going into this? Yeah, I mean, just the you know a lot of the things that are just sort of uh, you know, the obvious ones, you know, money, the, the financial part um you know not the uncertainties you know how it's going to affect you know our kids and and other things um you know uh, just our family as a whole time um you know we were going to have to have a, a different house that goes back to i guess the, the financial part of it um but there, there were a lot of and i'm a worry a little bit more of a worry wart than than um, trista is so you know it, it was much tougher for me to uh, to let go of things and give it to give it to God. So, what were you like telling him during this time? Were you saying anything to him, or you just kind of leave him alone, or what? What were you well, telling? Well, I was him? in the beginning. I, you know, I was just trying to say, you know, I really feel like this is what God is is telling me, and you know, I was talking about it a lot. And then there was a time where God said, "He can't hear me because you won't be quiet." <laughs> So he, you that know, never <laughs> happens in any other home. I'm just saying, right? Never so that's why we kind of decided to just, you know, maybe I should zip it and let let God reveal that to him. Yeah. So did you have an aha moment? Did you have a moment where it's like, there were some times, and I, okay, and, and, and you know, I obviously I remember calling uh, you and talking to you about it. Rick Underhill was another person that I that I you know, reached out to, and, and, and God was just, you know, through his word, you know, and, and just spending time with him and, and just, you know, pursuing him, not only in prayer, but in his word, you know. Uh, he was just making it, he just made it clear to me, you know, that, that that's what he wanted to do. I mean, I remember Proverbs 31 was, was one of those um, things that most people were pretty familiar with. It talks about a virtuous woman and a man trusting in his wife and his wife's heart. Hmm. I remember that really jumping off the page to me, like I'd never seen that before. Hmm. You know, and God saying, "You, you know, you need to, you need to 
trust your wife's heart behind this a little bit more than you're doing. So, you know, but it was it was a lot of different things like that that God just kept showing me through through prayer and others as well. So, how did you get the ball rolling on this, and and how did you come to to arrive at you know adopting a child from Haiti? I mean, there's millions of places on this planet from which you could adopt. How, how did you arrive at that decision to go that direction? Well, in the beginning, we had actually ruled out Haiti completely. It was one of the first ones that we didn't really look twice at. We had ruled it out. Um, was we, there a reason for that? We didn't qualify. So okay. at that time, I was 29, and the country of Haiti says you have to be 35 to adopt. So we thought, well, we don't qualify for that. We'll just rule that out. And we just um, kept looking at different places and different needs and different um, places that we did qualify for. And so it came down to filling out the application, and we just, we just didn't have a piece about where that we were supposed to adopt from. So we kind of just put it on hold and continued to just pray about it and seek the Lord and, and you know, try to um, just discern from him where he wanted us to adopt. And Haiti just kept the input in front of us over and over and over again. I mean, it was like everywhere we turned, it was like God was saying, Haiti is where you're supposed to adopt. Um, so we just thought, well, maybe we're supposed to wait. Maybe the timing isn't now. Maybe it's, you know, we just need to pray on it for a while and, you know, just get our hearts ready. And um, six years, you know, maybe then that's when we're supposed to adopt. So we just continued to pray and we just, we didn't feel like it, we felt like it was now. So we were confused. And um, so, you know, one day Jay said, well, why don't you just call the agency and talk to them and, and you know, tell them what we're thinking and see what they say. So we called them and they said, well, actually, they just changed the laws. It's not even out yet. In Haiti. In Haiti, that you only have to be 30. So I was just a few months away from being 30, so we went with it. We worked it out. God worked yep. it out. Wow, wow. And then you have a time where you actually go to Haiti and you're going to visit. You know, they don't call them orphanages in Haiti. What do they call them? Crash. You visit a crash in Haiti. And there's how many in Haiti? I mean, how many? Well, there's hundreds of orphanages. There's, there's not as many crash, crash orphanages um, with orphans are, are generally not true orphans. They usually do have families um, that just are not, are not able to care for them. And that's so all, the, there's a lot there's of children a lot of in them. Haiti. And you yeah. can't adopt from orphanages like that. Um, but the crashes you, you can Are adopt. children that are, are true orphans. That, Okay, so when you when you went, you tell us about that. When you went and had the visit, and how that all that happened? Yeah, we went. Uh, it was probably uh, how long? A year and a half, two years um, after. You know, we made the decision, started all the paperwork that we got to go and, and visit and meet Ben. We got matched with Ben, the 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 government there and the the adopt the agency there in Haiti actually match the the kids with with parents. So we got to we got go over there and visit. It was very difficult. You know, we got to meet him. We had we stayed a, what, a week or uh, two weeks at that time, and then had to come home without it. You know, uh, which was was tough for me, but not nearly as tough as it was for Trista. You know, coming home without him. Hmm. But uh, you know, I guess I sort of shared this in the first service. You know, we got home. We got to look in and you know. Trista had she, she journals, prayer journals, and she got to look in back 
I think, at some of the journals. And when God really, really put it on our heart, it was about June 2012. And that was, that was the time, looking back, that, that Ben was born. Uh, so uh, it was just really neat. There's so many things that God has just you know, shown us through yeah. all that. I mean, that's what I meant by like, almost like a, he's a, a, the fruit of faith. I mean, and there are just so many stories like that throughout. I mean, he, um, there were times when God would would wake me up in the middle of the night and just say, pray, you know, and it was before we were matched with him. So I didn't know, you know, who we were matched with. I didn't know if it was boy or girl or how, you know, Um, but like I would just feel like I needed to pray for this child. And, you know, looking back on those times, like it was when Ben was like fighting for his life. He was really, really sick. And, um, you know, just, just, you know, it, it's God, you know, God saying, I mean, we, we were just connected and, um, yeah, I mean, it was amazing to see, you know, God had put him on my heart before I ever even knew and was saying, pray, pray for him right now. And when we, when we, we got to meet the nurse that cared for him and, um, you know, she sent us pictures and, you know. Sort of looks like Trista a little bit, you know. <laughs> Really? I mean, it, it, they have some, you know, they favor each other just a little bit. I mean, the darker hair, the dark eyes, you know, and there was pictures of her, you know, holding Ben when he was, you know, premature and look, you know, him looking at the, it's pretty neat stuff, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the guy that, that headed up the crash, I mean, God was, was so um, you know, faithful to us, you know, um, the process. I remember Noah, who sort of managed, I guess you would say, the crash. He said, oh, so fast. He's like, this is so fast. Talking about he, Ben, Ben so fast, right? Well, yeah. that, this is pre- <laughs> If Ben's pre- involved, it's going to be fast, This is pre-Ben running. Okay, okay gotcha. But, <laughs> but he was just talking about how quick the process was moving for us. You know, it had, there were other people, and we've got to meet other people um, that have adopted from there, and, and it didn't move so fast for them. Which it didn't feel like it did for us. It still yeah. took three years, almost. Yeah, it really didn't. And during it. that time, some of those fears. Tell us a little bit about how God addressed some of the fears that you had. Oh, me. I mean, just lots of different things that he did. Um, just just give me ease, you know, once we got down there and, and to meet him and see sort of his personality and, and things like that. Um, you know, he, he gave me some peace peace with, with that. Um, Financial, the financial, financial part. Uh, that that was huge. I mean, uh, there were a lot of folks that stepped up and were able to help um, help us with with the money. I mean, this this church, people within this church, uh, work, um, just a, a lot of different uh, people that we haven't even been around in, in years. Uh, some family of Trista just all of a sudden sent us you know some money. So God, you know, God provided. You know, and and yeah, that was a huge, huge burden, you know, uh, for, for me, hmm. lifted off of me. Yeah. And you were, I mean, a lot of those fears and concerns, things that Jay had, I know you had yours own as yeah, well, right? absolutely. I mean, when we first decided that we were going to adopt, when we, we just said yes, we, we didn't have any money set aside to adopt. You know, we, we didn't know, have any clue of how we were going to pay for it. We just knew that God was calling our family to do it. And so we just said yes, and I mean, we had no choice but to just trust that he was going to 
work out the details and work out the finances, and, and he did. I mean, just time after time after time, I mean, he provided every everything that we need exactly when we needed it. Hmm. Wow. Wow. And you guys, your, your story is, is like that of many other families, even within our church and our ministry today. I know God put a, uh, something on your heart about producing a video, right? Mm -hmm. Something you wanted to do. Tell everybody about that and, and why you wanted to do that. Um, so, you know, after Ben came home, you know, I had people come up to me all the time and just say, you know, I really, I really have a heart for adoption or I really have a, a heart for foster care, but my husband's just not on board or maybe my husband you know, doesn't feel the same way. And so I just, I've, Jay and I both have kind of had this thought. We, we wanted to make a video that was just the dads um, talking about, you know, kind of how they feel about adoption and uh, just, you know, you seems like you hear more of the women talking about it. And so we just kind of wanted to do something from the guy's perspective. All right. And we have that, right? Yep. We're going to show that now. I remember, you know, Trista asking me, have you prayed about it? Have you prayed about it? And I kept saying, you know, no. And once I really started getting uh, real with God about it and really started praying, and it was it was obvious what we needed to do. Well, my first concerns about adopting uh, probably had to do with the financial, uh, financial burdens, you know. Also, it's going to be hard, you know. This is going to be a tough thing, you know, having another kid. We already had two, so. My initial concerns was honestly just selfish. It was what's going to happen with my time? What am I going to do? I've got my things I want to do. Uh, one of the, the initial part of it would be a fear of it. Uh, kind of like the bad name it always, you always heard about. Uh, and then concerns was getting too attached to a child that may go back into the system. First of all, it goes to fears. First of all, it goes to your instinct as a man to protect your family, uh, especially adding a teenager that you never knew to your family. But she said, this is the Lord told me this. And I resisted and she prayed and she fasted and the Lord continue to call on my heart and call on my heart until the day that I couldn't resist him and we told her to start start the paperwork. She kept seeing signs on the roadside foster parents needed and in my mind I'm thinking ah, it'll, it'll go away <laughs> it won't come back and it kept coming back and coming back and then all of a sudden here we are once we got the first child that we had we're on our second so once we got our first child, it was, uh, you, you think about them just, you know, just being a different child in your home, but they really become your child and you love them just like your others. I mean, you have your, your biological child, which is, which is great. Uh, and then bringing them home, you never thought that you could love a child as much as your own. Man, it's, it's overwhelming. We grew to love these kids so much that there was no way we were going to let them be harmed. I mean, it's been it's been an unbelievable adventure. I mean, our lives wouldn't be the same without without being here. From day one, once you get him and you hold him and you get down on your little knees and you play with him and get him to laugh, and it's it's automatic. They they want to be loved, and 
you have that to give to them and they need that. It's natural instinct to love. And it was, that's the easy part is just to love. Parenting is not something that you do anyway. It's ultimately up to him, in my opinion. Um, the strength's not gonna come from you. But definitely a lot of prayer, a lot of trust in him, and uh, a lot of listening. Don't be afraid to do it. Uh, if you have a heavy heart for kids, uh, go for it. I don't, regret, I don't regret it one bit. One bit at all. Uh, I mean, they're mine. But, you know, I think about it sometimes, it's like, uh, if we hadn't stepped in, where would they be? My first natural instinct was, um, how can I love another baby? How can I give any more time, anything else, to another child into the house? Do we have room in the house? Do we have a big enough car? All these things will get taken care of. Don't worry about those things. Um, it's just all you're supposed to do is love and care for this little baby and um, everything else will work out. The more you know him, the more you're able to trust him. And that's, the, that's the key right there. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Hey, let's give the Lord a hand couple of praise for that. That was awesome. That was awesome. So I've, I've got a really, really important question, okay? Uh, and before, before you answer this question, uh, not everyone is going to be called to, to adopt, right? Or to foster. That's not the calling of every family. And all these examples here are unique in their own right. So, so the step of faith that God is calling you to take in, in your life, perhaps, may not look like this, right? And, and it's important that people just live by faith. How can people who are not called to this help and support? And then the question, why do you think this is so near and dear to the heart of God. Okay? Um, adoption and foster care, it's messy and it's hard. And it 100% of the time comes from a place of brokenness. And I just, I think, um, well, I know that we serve a God of redemption and, you know, when we are able to um, step out of our comfort zones and step into things that are hard, I think we get to um, experience God in a different way. I think we see him in a different way, and I think other people see him in a different way. Um, like Alan said, there, there's not everyone is called to adopt or to do foster care, but I think we can all do something. I think we can, I mean, and he may be calling you to, you know, invite a child into your home, but he may be calling you to come alongside of a family that is doing foster care and to support them, you know, maybe bring a meal to them, maybe um, let them have a date night. There, I mean, there, there's lots of ways. Um, there's the whole other side of adoption that is just, you know, 
orphan prevention and, and helping children be able to stay in their homes, you know, supporting those families. Um, so there, there's tons of ways in which we can be a voice to children who just need to be loved. They just need love and they need, they need Jesus. Yeah, you know, uh, to add to that, you talk about brokenness, you know, Cody mentioned this morning about the word religion and, and a lot of times it does, you know, when I think religion, it, it always carries a negative to me, you know, legalistic, but the, the root of the word and how it, how it connects, you know, and James says that pure and undefiled religion is caring for widows and orphans. Um, and that, in that connection there that, that Cody was talking about in the word religion and, and this, this sense of brokenness that, that, child you know has it just that's really neat I think that was a God thing that Cody shared that this morning you know um, you know it brings people together you know it really does not only a child and a family but just everyone I mean so many of you have poured into Ben's life and and have you know I'm sure he's brought you a lot of joy and um Oh yeah, maybe not yeah. so much. So much joy at times. It reminds me of the first time that you guys brought Ben to First Missionary, and I'm not going to say who said it. You, you you already said it. Okay. Yeah, I think it was Mary Bennett, and y'all know who how Mary is. She said, "Why, Jay? He looks just like you." <laughs> I'll never forget that. Yeah, he's he's a good looking dude. Yeah. He sort of he sort of looks like Leon Spinks today. You'll have to some of you older. <laughs> uh, boxing fans, but wow. but anyway, not only that, you know, and that's that's funny, but I mean the personality, you know, his personality, and and the laughter and the silliness and everything. It's like he's he's just one of us. I mean, and, and, and God just worked that out just perfectly. Yeah, and it's been neat how what God led you through, how it's impacted our church family and our lives. You know. Uh, to hang out with him on Wednesday night, to see the meal and to see the kids and to connect with the church family in that way. And then they, they impact our lives. I mean, these children, they impact our lives. I mean, the other day I was at Walmart and I, I thought a kid was getting beat up by his parent. And I walked over there and, and there was Grant Mathis with the lightsabers and, and he and the boys were having this big lightsaber fight in Walmart and they're hollering and all this stuff. And, and Grant was right there in the middle of them. And I'm like, man, I'm just so thankful that there are these children however they come to us however god brings them to us they impact all of our lives from the littlest to the oldest right that's right right so what would you tell these folks i'm gonna have you guys to stand with us we're gonna wrap up but what would you tell these folks about stepping out in faith and, and realizing that you know um what god is calling somebody today in their own personal life that it may not look like this at all but what would you what would you what would you tell them well sorry no, go, no ahead. go ahead no please i mean what comes to my mind is is several several years ago you preached a sermon and you challenged us to just pray and and tell god whatever it is you're calling me to do my answer is yes and and it's that's hard it's a hard prayer to pray but i think I think we all have a desire to be obedient to God and to just be in the center of his will. And so, I mean, I think 
regardless of the hard and the messy, I think just stepping out in faith and praying and, and saying yes to whatever it is, whatever that looks like, and just sitting back and, and letting God work out the details of whatever comes next. Well, we just want to invite you to bow with us in prayer and, and, and time of thought. Cody's just going to lead us in. Thank you guys so much for sharing with us this morning. And Cody's going to just lead us in a time of reflection and song, and then, then he's going to pray us out. Prayer counselor's going to slip out. If you need somebody to pray with you, uh, to encourage you, to, to lift you up, uh, these prayer counselors are available to you. You're, you're welcome to, to stick around and pray. Uh, maybe there's something on your heart. You just need the encouragement uh, and maybe somebody to come alongside you. So grab any one of these folks now or at the end of the service. And, and we're just so glad that you that you came today. And we hope that you're glad uh, that you came. Cody. I hear the Savior say watch him pray for me thine all in all Jesus paid it all all to him I will sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow Father we love you so much thank you for being here with us this morning Thank you for what you've done in this place. May we all leave encouraged to seek you out this week. To seek your will, what you're doing in our lives. To learn truths upon truths from the scriptures. To connect and build relationships. Father, we give it all to you and we trust you with it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.